Welcome to Talking with the Animals, an exploration of animal communication. Join animal communicator, craniosacral therapist, and NES practitioner Caroline Pope as she discusses how to understand other species as they truly are, not just from the human perspective. That's right, Mecco. Discover how communicating with our four-legged friends can open up a whole new world for both of you. And now, your host and Australia's most recognized and well-known animal communicator, Caroline Pope. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Talking with the Animals. I'm your host, Caroline Pope. Thank you for joining me. Now, it's been an interesting week this week, a rather busy one, which is always nice. But I've had two cases in the last two days. So, of course, when I'm thinking of what do I do for a podcast and two in two days jumps out, it's pretty easy to work out what it's going to be. And this week I've had several cases of animals in pain written off as behavioural. Now, one springs to mind in particular. Lovely, lovely dog um, has had a growl at the owner when she touched it in a certain spot. Now, notice I said in a certain spot, not everywhere. So she took her dog to her vet, who also happens to be a behavioralist, and the vet promptly tried to write it off as behavioral. Now, I'm not knocking this vet because this dog does um, have you know, a few issues that need working on as far as behavior goes. However, touch it everywhere but a certain spot and the dog is fine. When you look at the dog's file, it's actually been treated with dry needling for back spasms. And they're not little either. I worked on this dog. Absolute credit to the owner. She said, no, it's not behavioral. I want you to investigate further. Not everybody will do that. Sure enough, dog's got major, major back issues and possibly hip problems. Now, this is just being used to highlight as an example of so many animals I'm seeing at the moment. And I think too, particularly with COVID puppies, as they're called, that have a lot of, and a lot of them do have separation anxiety, I'm the first to say so. There's a lot of behavioural issues after bringing up dogs in what is definitely not a normal situation and isolation. And ditto cats from the point of view of when a lot of us went back to work, even part-time, our feline friends weren't impressed. They're very stressed and a lot of them are spraying. But so many vets and owners seem to think automatically, not all, there are many good vets out there that will insist on a urinalysis before they treat. And that's how it should be. As I've said before, I will not communicate with a spraying cat until the owners have taken it to the vet and had a urinalysis done to see whether the cat has a urinary tract infection because so many people want to treat these cats for behavioral stuff or dogs so-called behavioral put them on happy pills and then they might be happier but they're still in pain and I'm just seeing too much of it no animal will make life more difficult for itself than it has to. My own horse, which many of you know I lost to bone cancer a couple of weeks back, Swagman, 
Animals don't want you to know they're in pain. They will instinctively hide it. This is why we have so many, I would say, cross-references or across the species because we automatically, subconsciously expect our animals to show pain in the way we do or I will know the animal's in pain when it does X or Y. Now, X or Y quite often is completely out of that species' normal parameters. So it's a completely unrealistic expectation. Or I'll know they're in pain when they're off their food. Well, if you're in so much agony, you don't want to eat. You know, have a really good think about that, people. But this particular horse of mine, now he had a highly, highly aggressive bone tumour. Very, very rare in horses. Naturally, it's my horse because none of my animals ever get anything boring or mundane. Now, do they? But I had noticed from possibly the second week I had him, when we were walking, and I'm not saying he was breathless, he wasn't, but his nostrils were flared slightly more than I would have expected a horse's nostrils to be flared walking up the hill. I, by the way, sounded like a broken-winded pony because, yeah, my cardio is not that great and the hill's fairly steep. But for a young, fit horse, it shouldn't have been, to my mind, that's the only sign there was, apart from a very mild lameness, and we knew um, he'd had muscles torn off both his girth and his pectorals off his chest, so we'd put it down to that, hindsight, if we could bottle it. Now, until... The day we x-rayed swag the second time and realized in a month the bone tumor had gone from not just mildly in the scapula but through the scapula, through the shoulder joint, into the leg and the tendons, um, and that's in a month or less. A human or a dog would be chalked up to the hilt on morphine. Horses can't vocalize like that they don't vocalize pain which is why so many horses are in so much pain and so many people don't realize now once I realized and had organized the euthanasia for the very next morning because he was going to break a shoulder and I knew how much pain he was in it was only then he started mentioning pain not before but the signs were there mild lameness very mild and the flared nostril. Now that was pain, and I am still kicking myself that I didn't pick up on that earlier. Hindsight, if we could bottle it. Now that could have been a 100,000 different reasons, including being nervous for surroundings. That's what horses do. But if so many people, including some on the property, wanted to write my horse off to behavioral, I think a few of them got a shock. So always, always, instead of going, oh, it's behavioral, think automatically, it's pain. And only when you have categorically been able to rule out pain should you start looking at behavior. There was a very interesting study done in, I can't remember whether it was Europe or the UK, but other side of the world anyway, several years ago that showed that nearly 90, 90% of dogs that were what was classified as noise phobic, don't like thunderstorms, nail guns, 
you know, cars backfiring, those sorts of things um, with the Shepherd Club, the whole gun um, test thing. 90% of dogs that are noise phobic have undiagnosed pain. They put this um, study of dogs all under MRI and found problems with over 90 or nearly 90% of the noise phobic ones. And that, of course, is why so many so-called noise phobic dogs become worse as they get older because most of us don't age particularly gracefully. One uh, Vizsla I have treated springs to mind. She was so bad the woman turned her phone off um, because every time an email pinged, the dog would hurtle to the other side of the house and shake, literally. They'd turn their phones onto silent. You get the general gist. Um, lovely, lovely dog. I had 50,000 fits, um, did a lot of body work. It was, um, yeah, uh, I think Caruso the Cockatoo called it squinched. Well, its body was pretty squinched. I think it was about two and a half inches longer when I finished working on it the first time and um, sent her to the vet to um, be treated for pain. Within two days, that dog wasn't reacting to email and they were able to turn their phones on. Now, that is an extreme example. And this dog had been doing this on and off for 10 years. So... Yes, they thought I was the miracle worker. No, I wasn't. I was simply the first one to recognize because I'm lucky enough that in the line of work I do, the animals I hear can tell me that it's pain. But equally, um, the amount of people, including vets, that go, touch the dog, run your hand down its spine, it spasms in two or three places, but that's behavioral. I'd like to be able to get my spine to spasm behaviorally it doesn't. It's pain. And I completely understand, and particularly in the horse world, and yes, I am going, having a go at the horse world at the moment. Um, I'm not particularly happy with it for a bunch of reasons, but so many horse people in particular call something behavioral rather than admitting that it's pain. Dog and cat people do too, but I think it basically comes down to if we admit to ourselves that an animal is in pain, we need to do something about it. It's much easier to write the animal off as being bad or stupid or whatever they want, lazy. Lazy is a classic one in the horse world. The horse is lazy. No, it's not dickhead, it's sore. In fact, in a lot of cases, you're going, oh, I can't understand why it's not doing X or Y. My response is, I can't understand why it hasn't killed you. It's in that much pain. Horses always try and look after their riders. They really do a sensational job as far as that goes. And particularly, they say, oh, it's only mildly lame, so ride it. Horses don't limp, nor do dogs or cats, for the hell of it. It's pain. If an animal is favouring a leg, it's pain. So don't ride the horse. Treat it. Absolutely. I agree. The old you don't use it, you lose it. But you don't put any weight on. You walk the horse in hand. Get it sorted. Build it up gradually. Build the muscle back without a rider on. And only when it is sound and you've got some muscle back on to support, then you climb back on and ride. Not before. 
This is what I'm seeing time and time again, unfortunately. It's what people are doing for convenience rather than actually looking at the animal. Jump up on the couch, on the bench. People often assume it's an aging process. And yes, it is. None of us jump around as much at 80 as we did at 20. I'm the first to say. But again, why? It's usually pain. So again, yes, we do age, but it doesn't mean you don't do something about it. I see so many um, dogs with feathers. Your general ones say, for example, border collies, German shepherds, golden retrievers, all the ones with all the hair on the back that people call feathers. So many people, their dogs have got knots there and they'll take them to the groomer and I'll say to them, well, why aren't you brushing? Oh, they don't like it. They sit down, they growl. Now, to me, that's a red flag. If the dog's perfectly happy having its backs brushed, its chin, its front legs, all the rest of that, and you get to the back end and the dog becomes guarded or growls, that's not behavioral. That's telling you that the dog has a problem. Cats can be a little trickier with that because some cats simply don't like being groomed. But again, have a good look at why. Cats, particularly overweight cats, and that's a whole other thing. Don't even start me on cats that are overweight. But simply look at it from the point of view of how much more they jump than you and I or dogs. So every time they're um, a pound overweight, that's that's a pound extra on those joints. Every time they jump down, landing, putting stress on the joints, you get the general gist. So they're more likely to be sore. And of course, you know, most cats don't like being groomed. Add being sore into the occasion or equation, I should say, I'm sorry, and you're going to have problems. And so often, and look, cats do have behavioral problems, absolutely, but they're generally created by us. And I would go as far as to say 70% of behavioral problems have some sort of physical base that started them off. So please, if your animal is exhibiting signs that you believe are behavioral, instead of saying, you know, why is my animal exhibiting this behavior, try and change it around to, is my animal in pain? And when and only when you have 100% categorically ruled out pain, then start looking at behavioral modification. Believe me, your four-legged friend will thank you for it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talking With The Animals. I'd like to thank everybody for their support of this podcast. As you've probably seen, if you watch social media, we've just hit over four and a half thousand downloads. So thank you to each and every person that's taken the time to listen. I really appreciate it. As always, stay safe, enjoy your week. And until next time, remember when you can talk with the animals.
Thank you for listening to Talking with the Animals. To learn more about Caroline and the services she provides, visit caroline-pope.com. You can also find her on Facebook at Caroline Pope Animal Communicator CST and NES Therapy. Are you ready to change the way you see your world and the animals in it? Well, we know his answer. Don't forget to subscribe and see you next time.